This is a Federal News Network podcast. No less than the congressionally chartered Cyberspace Solarium Commission has come out with a new set of recommendations. Some of them would make the ban on Chinese telecommunications gear just the beginning. Here with his take, federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. Larry, that was interesting to see what they're proposing because they want to really get manufacturing in the United States up and running to replace what's coming in from China across the board. Tom, what they're really talking about here with this recommendation is getting all Chinese-made product out of the U.S. federal supply chain, whether it's information technology, telecommunication, whatever it is, if it can't be made in the U.S., the Solarium report is recommending that they have it sourced from an ally or that the United States come together with public-private partnerships to ensure that we're not reliant on overseas sources, particularly for critical components. And I think there are two parts to this. One, clearly everybody got a wake-up call from COVID when we had shortages, particularly at the beginning of the outbreak, there were shortages in the supply chain. And then more recently, when it became apparent that we had some potential real security issues with Chinese-made technology in certain parts of the supply chain. So this ungainly named commission, the Cybersecurity Solarium, has made this recommendation. And despite the name, it's important to understand that this is actually a very influential group. And a number of the recommendations that they've made have already been incorporated into legislation. And I suspect we're going to see more of their recommendations in public policy moving forward. In some ways, this is not a new issue for federal buyers because Chinese-made goods outright have generally been barred, say PCs, which are largely made in China. But some companies have set up U.S. assembly just for meeting the federal market. You know, some of the big companies like Dell and Lenovo and so on. But I guess this is getting beyond the prime product level into the contents, which even though a piece might be assembled here, most of the components or a great number of the components are nevertheless made in China. So it, it gets deeper, doesn't it? Tom, you hit on a good point. This transcends the existing Trade Agreements Act and Buy American Act that can be applied government-wide, as well as the Barry Amendment that applies to certain Department of Defense procurements. This Solarium Commission report talks about getting Chinese-made goods out of federal supply chain pretty much entirely. And in that way, it's much closer to a provision that actually made it into this year's House version of the FY21 defense bill that would require major systems components to be 100% U.S. made. Right now, whether it's the legislation or the commission recommendation, we certainly don't have the capacity to meet the goal that they're talking about. That's why the commission reports talking about partnerships, talking about allied governments so that we can transition over time. We don't have to do it all ourselves. But Tom, this is clearly a major trend in government acquisition, this whole becoming more reliant on ourselves, becoming less reliant on people who may or may not always have our best national security interest at heart. It's something that could be very costly, but it also could be a huge job creator. It's something that, if it's taken to its logical conclusion, would really fundamentally shift the type of work that's done in this country, who does it, how it's done, and probably change the components of the technology that we use from what we're used to today. 
We're speaking with Larry Allen. He is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. So is there anything contractors ought to be doing now, or can they do anything at this point while this is all simply fresh proposals? Well, we don't really know where the ball is going to land. The ball is still very much on the roulette board, Tom. So if you don't know if it's going to land on black, green, or red, uh, the best thing the contractor can do is to watch where the ball is, but also to be prepared. We don't know how much you're going to have to add a domestic component to your supply chain, but we can bet that you're going to have to add some much more significant domestic component to what you sell to the U.S. government moving forward. So you ought to be able, you ought to be starting to look at those suppliers that are either domestic or in places where we have agreements like with Canada and Mexico and maybe some of our European allies to begin to source things. And the other thing you ought to start thinking about is those components that you can't get anywhere else. How can you make those products by using different components? I think that's going to be one of the significant challenges. So companies, I think, Tom, had better start to prepare for this, even though we don't have any conclusions. And switching gears here to an old issue, and that is compliance with multiple award schedule rules, which are shifting over the decades from time to time. There is now a guide out that you're pointing out. There is. GSA overall, Tom, is doing a really great job in the schedules program in terms of providing education to contractors based on what they've historically done. It used to be that the agency put out very little, if any, guidance, and the training, frankly, that it put out maybe seven or eight years ago wasn't the best. So now GSA has really stepped up its contractor training, and one of the most recent things they've done is issued a brand new guide for scheduled contractors. This is a guide that takes a company through a typical assessment visit. These are the regular routine, either annual or semi-annual, biannual visits that GSA evaluators do. They're not big A audits, but they are contractor reviews. And this guide is a step-by-step guide for contractors on how to make sure they're ready for those assessments so that they're doing the double checking of their own systems. Are they collecting the industrial funding fee correctly? Do they have a system for assuring that they're compliant with the Trade Agreements Act, something we were just talking about? It's that type of thing that a company should really take the time, go through the guide, go through it internally so that they're sure that they've got the compliance systems in place. If they don't, they can create the systems. And if they discover a problem, it's much better to discover a potential problem yourself, Tom, and wait for a government auditor to come find it for you. And this as the program to collapse all of the different schedules into one big schedule proceeds apace? It is proceeding apace. We are now at the point where GSA is starting to combine the contracts of companies that have had three or four different schedules into one master schedule. This is kind of the phase three of the program. And and phase three really only impacts a few contractors, but it's going to take several years probably to accommodate. But we're starting to see some tweaks along the way as well. GSA is looking at the substructure of the schedules program in order to make sure that the consolidation meets the goal that they had set out, which was to make it easier for federal buyers to find things on the schedules program. So what's really kind of good about this process is GSA has done a nice job with it, but they realize it's not a static process. They're still fine-tuning it to make sure that they get it 
as good as possible so that it really meets the needs of their customer base. And interestingly, it mentions the Compliance with Trade Agreements Act, which gets us back to the China question in some way. Tom, in the schedules program, and it's not just in the schedules, but in the schedules program, particularly the Trade Agreements Act is the number two compliance issue. It falls right behind compliance with your pricing responsibilities on schedule. Schedule contractors or those on any other indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract need to take their Trade Agreements Act compliance responsibilities seriously. There are so many lawyers out there, so many plaintiff's bar lawyers who would like to take a whistleblower case to do a gotcha on a company that may not be paying full-time and attention. It's really important to understand that you've got your Trade Agreements Act compliance system as good as it can be and that you're giving it the proper care and feeding. It certainly costs you a little bit of money up front to do that. It costs a little time to go through the compliance guide that GSA put out, but these are literally pennies on the dollar investments, Tom, for any company to make sure that they're doing what they should be doing. And as I like to say, if you do that, the government will write you checks and you will not have to write checks back to the government. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Thanks so much. Tom, I thank you and I wish your listeners happy selling. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte. But for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month. And you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. There are a million reasons e-commerce shoppers don't buy. In fact, 97% abandon their first store visit. AdRoll retargeting keeps your brand on their mind, so they come back to buy. Visit adroll.com to start retargeting today.